You're listening to World Changers Asia Pacific Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about World Changers, go to worldchangers.life or email us at info at worldchangers.life. I heard a story one time that a man came home from work one afternoon to discover someone had broken into his house. But this was no ordinary theft because nothing was missing. Instead, the intruder had cleaned his house from top to bottom, spick and span. The rugs were vacuumed, the beds made, and the bathroom scrubbed. Even the toilet paper was folded like you would see in motel rooms. He called the police, but the evidence of the break-in had been, well, swept away, is what you could call a clean crime scene. He wondered how this cleaning crew had come in. Maybe they had come to the wrong address, but if so, how did they get in? There was no explanation for this incident, and to this day, it still remains a mystery. And as you hear this, you may be wondering how to get in touch with this particular intruder. But you don't need an intruder to clean up your life. One of the wonderful surprises about committing your life to Christ is discovering his cleansing power. He stands at the door of your hearts and knocks. And when you open the door and invite him in, he comes, as it were, with a broom and a mop. Jesus knows how to cleanse a house. In the Gospels, he cleansed the temple in John 2, 13 and 17, quite aggressively, I might add. And then the Bible constantly speaks of his cleansing power and his ability to purify his people. Jesus is holy, pure, and sinless. And as you grow in him, he makes you increasingly like him. To put it simply, we all need someone who can disinfect our hearts, clean up our habits, vacuum our values, sweep the dirt out of our minds, launder our motives, spruce up our attitudes, and tidy up our testimonies. Several years ago, after becoming a Christian, I reflected on all the parts of my life that God had changed. Rather than occasionally telling other people what I thought they wanted to hear, I believe that's called lying, I allowed God to make me a person of truth. And instead of sharing the latest rumors about my mutual friends with others, I think that's called gossiping, I learned how to hold my tongue. But one of the more stubborn stains in my life involved my movie viewing habits. But the Lord gradually helped clean up those patterns too. I told myself one day, it's time to come clean. It's time to be free in my soul, my mind, from guilt, fear, regret, and all the impurities that pollute my relationship with God. And the reality is, when you and I receive Jesus as Savior, you and I are forgiven. His grace makes us pure in God's sight and has given us eternal life. But we're not yet perfect, are we? Or are you? Because if you're perfect, get in contact with me so I can know how you did it. And quite frankly, I might even resign as pastor of World Changers Church Gold Coast and let you come pastor. But if you're like me, then you know you're not perfect and that growing in God's character is a lifelong endeavor. But like all the qualities we've studied the past two weeks, we need to realize something real quick. This type of growth does not happen to us passively or overnight. But we do have a part to play, the Bible says. Therefore, since we have these precious promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 in the NIV. Does that have a familiar ring to it? It's similar to what Peter wrote in the passage we're studying last week and today. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11. through 11. 
Remember how the paragraph opens in verse 3? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice that word. God has already given you everything you need for a godly life. But then Peter told us in verse 5 and 6 to add to our faith diligence, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly affection, love, godliness. But before you accuse me of leaving grace and getting into some legalistic mindset or self-effort, remember our approach. God has done his part and with his guidance and strength, you do yours. Your role is to diligently add the needed effort to grow in godliness. So what is godliness, man? Like, seriously, am I going to walk on water next week? No, not really. Haven't seen anybody do that since Peter and Jesus. But godliness is simple. It's becoming more like God every day, which is to say it's you becoming more like Christ, the Son of God, the daughter of God, all the time. You know, I was once told that there was a portrait that hung near the entrance of the Alamo. And the man that it was um, showing there was a man that fought in a war that had died early. And because his portrait, his image had not yet been captured, the nephew stood in to portray his uncle so that future generations could know what that man did and how he died for freedom. In a similar way, Jesus Christ is the earthly portrait of God as you are the earthly portrait of Jesus. The Bible says that in John 1 and 18 in the NIV that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. We are made in God's image. We are made to reflect the sun like the moon does at night. We are made to be a light, a beacon, a city on a hill, for those looking for hope. So if God were to sit for a portrait, we'd see Christ on the canvas. If you want to know what God's love looks like, study Jesus. If you want to know how God thinks, read the sermons and sayings of Christ. If you want to know about the wrath of God, look at the righteous anger of the Son of Man in the temple. If you want to know any facet of God's character or personality, study the life of the Nazarene, the one they called Jesus. By everything he said and did and was, Jesus, who is God the Son, manifested and revealed God to us. In the same way, your job is to exhibit and reveal Christ to the world by what you say, what you do, and who you are. In essence of the Christian life, it is to increasingly resemble Christ. Godliness is Christ's likeness, and Christ's likeness is godliness. As you grow in godliness, you become an increasingly accurate portrait of Christ for those who see you. And how exactly do we do that? How do we become this image of the Son of God, the Word made flesh? Well, Peter didn't give us any further definition of godliness in 2 Peter, perhaps because he'd already devoted his first letter to that subject. The book of 1 Peter is all about responding to circumstances as Christ did. Peter told us that Christ left us all an example and that we should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 Writing to people who were facing persecution, he constantly reminded them that whatever happened in life, they would arm themselves with the attitude of Christ. 1 Peter 4 and 1 
One paragraph in particular seems to capture the essence of godliness. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 12. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, New International Version. When you come to Jesus Christ, you are his own special person. To add godliness in your life, remember to whom you belong. How can you live a godly life without remembering you are God's special possession, someone he redeemed by the blood of his son Jesus to be his very own? He called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And as you become that light, that resting place for others, on the day in which they come to the knowledge of Jesus, they will look back at you and see the works in you and say, I saw that in them. And I see Jesus. But I, if, that, if Jesus is in them, then he can be in me. Because it's not yet I that live, but Christ that lives in me. When you come to Jesus Christ, this moment of realization happens but somewhere along the way we forget the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people his treasured possession Deuteronomy 7 and 6 God values me and wants a relationship with me he wants to delight me and, and delight in me he wants to inspire me fulfill me and walk with me day by day and you are his treasured possession you are important to him. And if you're trying to find your worth in doing things and winning things or being the prettiest, smartest, and most athletic, just stop it, okay? Just stop because Jesus loves you and he is enough. And he loves you the way you are, but he loves you so much he's not going to leave you there. You can trust him with that. The call on your life is to first develop a, a, the, the salvation relationship with your Lord and Savior and then go on to develop a relationship that causes transformation in you, that you begin to act out of your identity, that you begin to inspire out of who you are, that you're no longer trying to do to be, but you are being a Christian. And out of being a Christian, you're acting out of your identity, and out of your identity, you're doing these things. The call on your life is not what you have, or what you can do. It's who you are becoming like daily. And that, my friends, is Christ.